Hello everybody, this is Michael Jans, co-founder of Agency Revolution. Today, delighted to be your podcast host for the Connected Insurance Podcast, presented by Agency Revolution creators of Fuse, the insurance marketing software that will skyrocket your retention, boost your policy per customer account, and make your clients love your agency. Without you having to hire more staff, programmers, or technologists, if you haven't done it lately, visit agencyrevolution.com and request a demo of the software that agents and brokers are literally raving about today. Speaking of raving about, (laughs) I'm excited to present to you this podcast, my interview with Jay Schwedelson. If you don't know the name, he is perhaps the the marketing industry's top email guru. I follow him, I study his analysis regularly, I apply his technique, and I watch my email response grow. This is um, practical, tactical content, so please prepare to take notes. He's got weird insights and findings, like, gosh, did you know if you add an ellipse to the end of your subject line, the three dots? That can skyrocket your open rates by a very interesting 17%. Or what happens when you add emojis? Well, listen to what he has to say about that. So um, we all email. I want you to do it better. It is really, in many ways, the, the opportunity for generating leads, increasing conversion, increasing your policy per customer count, boosting your retention, generating more referrals, It's all locked up there in email, and this podcast can help unlock those secrets. One announcement before we launch into the podcast itself. I'm really excited to um, launch and announce to you the launching of my 30% Growth Blueprint membership program, um, which is entirely, completely designed to help grow your agency by 30% or more per year. How do I do that? How do I deliver the content? I share literally the same five-step blueprint in delicious detail that I use with my highest paying clients. And you will, through this program, uh, receive bi-weekly email tips from me, gain access to various toolkits that I've got available to you, Uh, You'll be invited to free small group roundtables in which we discuss organic growth and much, much more. And guess what? One more thing I almost forgot to announce. It's completely free. I can't send you anywhere to get it except for now. My inbox. Email me at michael at michaeljans.com. I'll send you a link. You can learn about it and decide on your own. But again, it is absolutely free. So when you get back to your computer, if you're not on it right at this moment, think about Michael Jans. Email me. Put in the subject line, blueprint. And then you can say something like, hi. Uh, If you want to, you can share with me what it is uh, that you attempt uh, that you're attempting to learn or or the challenges or problems you're having with your agency but frankly if you want to just send me a subject line that says blueprint and i will reply with a link where you can look at a description of the program and you can join for free without further ado it's my pleasure to introduce you to this conversation with jay schwedelson
Jay Schwedelson, thanks so much for joining us. Um, as as a sort of brief piece of background, I've i I am a follower. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> and, and as I'd mentioned to Jay just a few minutes ago, um one of the very, very few email communications. I guess it's your newsletter um, is the scoop, which comes from Jay. And the reason is because you're one of the few people that I think are really doing real time analysis of what's working in the world of email marketing, subject Mm -hmm. lines, preview lines, all that jazz. So um, a, a, a very quick announcement before we kind of dive into this for those of uh, this is a live in front of a live studio audience. Uh, so for those of you who are with us live, you have the opportunity to ask questions. Um, so feel free to raise your hand or enter a question into the chat box. And I promise I'll get to it. Um, and hopefully Jay's got time at the end for us to do some Q&A. But first, we're going to cover some of the um, kind of the, the critical elements of what's working today in email marketing. So that being said, uh, Jay, um, I'll, I'll let you do a sort of quick intro. How did you get to be the guru of email marketing? Well, I don't know that I'm that, but I do spend a lot of time with email marketing. So I've had an agency for a zillion years called Outcome Media, not, not an insurance agency, a marketing agency, right? right? And we, we don't just do email, we do direct mail, podcast advertising, all sorts of media. We focus on uh, demand generation. We're about 100 or so people. And um, we've been, we, email has always been a big part of what we do. And so, I don't know, about 15 years ago or so, so many of our clients were writing the world's worst subject lines. Uh, they would focus all their energy on what was in the email and they wouldn't care about the subject line. And we kept telling them, if you don't get that thing open, it's like, who cares? Who cares what's in your message? And we said, we need to we need to educate our clients on how to write a subject line. And we said, how are we going to do that? So I'm like, let's make a little tool. We'll use all of our data. And uh, back then, domains weren't that expensive. Uh, nice, good ones. And we bought the domain uh, subjectline.com. And we made this tool where you could you know, put your subject line in. It's still, still this way today where you could put it in. It tells you how good or bad it is. It rewrites it for you. And that got really popular. So we've checked about 15 million subject lines now for free. You can go there right now. And that kind of launched us into being kind of known more for email than anything else, even though that's not all that we do. And so we try to lean into all the data. Uh, so on an annual basis for our clients, we will execute about 6 billion emails, both business and consumer. And we take real-time data from every send that we do to try to see what's working, what's not, not just with subject lines, with everything. And so that's kind of how I fell into this uh, this bucket of, hey, he knows email stuff, which may or may not be true. <laughs> okay. So um, what, what is it about once a month or sometimes maybe it's twice a month, you issue okay. some findings and conclusions. And, yeah. uh, you know, for those of us who are marketers and for those of us who help other people with their marketing. Uh, I, I find it absolutely fascinating. So you'll, you will uh, present something like, Hey, yeah. uh, you know, if you add like, th- like ellipses, three dots at the end of right. your subject line, your response, you know, typically response goes up on average. I'm, I'm just throwing yeah, this yeah. out 17% or something like that. Um, yeah. a lot, sometimes it's seasonal. I'm curious, um, 
where what is it that you're analyzing where you get this information? Well, you know, it's interesting when, when you think about marketing, uh, it doesn't not whether it's email or anything else. And let's say you Google, you know, what are the best practices for social media marketing or email marketing, whatever it is. Invariably, what you find is, oh, there's a guide, you know, these companies put out these resources and these guides and they publish them maybe like once a year or once every six months or maybe once every other year. Right. And we were doing that back when. But then what we found was, and this is the irony of email, people think email is legacy. It never changes. It's old. <laughs> it's been around forever. And we're like, every time we publish a guide, three or four months later, it was outdated. And it drove us nuts. And we're like, because things are always changing so fast. Like what's working, what's not working, little changes, little whatever. So what we do is um, we're always running campaigns and tests all day long for our clients. Many, many millions and millions of emails. And when we see kind of things that are kind of uh, standing out, that didn't stand out, you know, the month prior or two months prior, we grab that. We see if there's any other data to support it, make sure there's a good a volume of data around that. And then we release whatever the findings are in real time. So we stop publishing these quarterly reports or, or annual reports because to me, it's, 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 it's garbage, right? Because if I told you, like, like even right now, if I came out and said, this is the 2023 guide to email marketing, you'd be like, well, that's old. The year's over. Right. You know, it's like you got to be very timely with any type of testing or thinking that you're doing. So that's why we're always releasing that information. Okay, let's spend a moment and I'm going to ask you to address the the value or importance of email marketing, because you you used a term that I think a lot of people might consider, um, you know, they might they, they may interpret this the wrong way or they may feel this way that it's a legacy mm-hmm. um uh marketing tool okay yeah. i mean let you know to, to give you a little bit of background on history on you know my my history with email marketing we created yeah. the first automatic email marketing platform in 1999 called ZipDrip for independent insurance agents and then launched a more serious email marketing platform in 2008, I think, um, agency revolution. And, and, and so, you know, like, yeah, that's like more, more like almost 25 years ago, we were sort of, oh, on the cutting edge of this tool and it was hot and it was sexy and it, it did things that we think now are like, yeah, these are legacy, like, oh, autoresponders and scheduled broadcasts, um, and wild cards or tokens, and, you know, those were things that were like hot and sexy a long time ago. And I I'm, I am concerned that people are undervaluing the, you know, this this medium of email marketing. Now, you do you you have an agency with, you know, lots and lots of clients, one of the larger agencies. And you do, you know, you, you, you want to get results for them. So I know you're testing social. I know you're testing direct mail and I know you're using email and everything else. Talk yeah, to us yeah. about the value of email marketing. Well, there is no great, the most valuable asset in your company is your email list. It's fact. Bingo. There, All right. There's no doubt about it. it just, say that, it just say that again. Say that again. It is the single most valuable asset that you have. Uh, and I'll tell it's you the why. list, the list. And it's the email list. And I'll tell you why it's the email list. So first off, if, if you say, well, email doesn't really work for us, if that's what you've determined, I would tell you that maybe you're just not doing it right and you're not looking at the littlest things. The littlest things in email can radically change your performance. But the reason it's the most valuable thing and the reason you need to 
lean into it is if I if I said to you, okay, I want you to reach your entire audience, your entire population of people that you work with, your customers, everybody. If you wouldn't post it on social, right? Number one, you, all your followers are, isn't everybody that you work with. It's a fraction. And then when you post on social, only 10 to 15% of your network sees whatever you post because the way the algorithms control things, right? Search, you got to play the game and you're lucky if your stuff is coming up really high in search. It's literally luck because it's almost impossible. Direct mail is great, but it costs a lot of money to get a direct mail piece out there to your whole audience. So the only marketing channel on the planet that costs almost nothing, right? to reach your entire population is, is email. And I'll tell you this, we're heading into what may be a difficult economy if we're not already there, right? When you go into a difficult economy, what do you do? A lot of people tighten their, their budgets, okay? You can't spend as much on search or social or print or whatever. So when you head into a difficult economy, what becomes the most important channel for a marketer? It's email because it costs you pennies to get the word out. So now is the time you got to figure out your email strategy. So as you hit that, you know, rocky period in, in, in the economy, you can keep driving that business. So to me, email is it. Okay. Um, so you mentioned, you, you used a word that I want to sort of dig into a little bit, which is the list. Now, yeah. um, typically like the, the two big chunks of the list in our world are customers and non-customers. Right. right. And I'd argue that the most valuable list is the customer list in an independent insurance agency because there's so many opportunities for increased retention, increased policy per customer count, increased referrals, increased Google reviews, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So boom, that's pretty well established. And I'll 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 go toe-to-toe with anybody who wants to argue otherwise. But then we have this other big chunk and it's not just one chunk. It really needs to be, you know, um, we need to find the gradients in it, you know, from hot, you know, down to cold. Right. Right. Um, so first of all, let, let, let's dig into this a tad. First of all, talk to us about how to get a list, how to build a list. Yeah. So you need to, first of all, always be asking. I don't care what you're doing, right? I don't care if you're posting on social. I don't care if you're out at a conference. Uh, I don't care what it is. You need to always be sign up for our newsletter, download this piece of content, always be grabbing that contact. On your website, and people, people miss this opportunity a lot. Pop-up contact captures are secret sauce. Right. What do I mean by that? If you go to a website, right, and you see that annoying pop up that says, hey, put in your email address and you get the 10% off coupon, put in your email address and you get the guide to what's happening in 2024. Just put it in there and hit submit. Those things, those pop up contact captures, they will grab you so much net new people to fill that out. Uh, if you leave that up there, now you may be saying, and this is a mistake most marketers make, is that they'll say, well, those annoying me. I don't like that. Okay. So I don't want to do that. And here's two things. Number one, who cares? You are not your database. Okay. Right. But the yeah, other thing you, I would say are, about Are you that selling is, to yourself? No. <laughs> yeah. Right. Here's the game. When you go to Nike, because Nike uses that all the time. Okay. And they pop up the thing. Do you see that pop-up thing and say, oh my God, I'm not buying shoes from Nike. Never. And you leave and you'll never buy from them. Or you just click the little X and then you move on. You buy the sneakers that you want. People don't leave your site, okay? Abandon your site because you did that. They may get annoyed for a split second, then go on to what they whatever wanted to do. So you have to be a little bit more aggressive. You have to not use the, I don't like that, so I'm not going to do it. And you need to always 
be asking for that contact information. Grab it, get that top of the funnel, create a piece of content that is a must have, like we're heading into 2024. The best type of content you can create is a calendar, okay? What are the key dates uh, uh, related to the insurance world or insurance products in 2024? What are the most must attend webinars in the insurance world in 2024? What are, you know, key dates for, you know, your taxes or benefits or who knows what? Create a calendar, okay, which takes maybe an hour, right? Make a PDF of it. People will digest that calendar. Like you have no idea, grab their email address and you win. Stuff like that. I kind of like best dates to email or not email. <laughs> That's my calendar. I, I seem That's to have right. run across that one somewhere. You have no idea. That calendar for us. So we have an email calendar that we put out. The best and worst days to email. We take into account holidays, everything, whatever. We right. put it out ever. It gets downloaded about 75,000 times a year. Way and it's go. just like, it just builds our database for us. We don't have to do anything. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. Okay. So top of the, so uh, so uh, y- you encourage on an agent's website, top of the funnel, uh, lead magnet of some kind, um, and always, always be asking. And so, you, and you touched on something before, and I think it's important. So I'm all about making sure you fill up that top of the funnel. But what we need to make sure of is just because somebody downloaded a calendar, they download a lead magnet, they're not a lead. Okay, right? If they download a case study, they're a lead. That means Uh, they really, really want to talk to somebody. If they download the five things to know about insurance changes in 2024, they're not a lead. They are uh, part of your database. You're going to nurture them. Maybe the one day they go grow into a lead. But it's very important to delineate the type of content that you're putting out there and how that aligns to how far down the funnel they are. Right. So not all leads are created equal, but you want to capture all leads. Okay. Besides generating leads through your own effort, talk to us about renting and or purchasing lists of leads. And, and, you know, keeping in mind that, you know, like like most entrepreneurs, insurance Mm -hmm. agents have a target market. Yeah, there's a lot of of sources out there, right? There's a lot of sources out there. And here's what I would tell you. Can you go to a Zoom Info or a DNB or leverage LinkedIn Sales Navigator or things like Sixth Sense uh, uh, or Experian? There's a million data sources that are out Mm -hmm. there. And they're all some version of, okay, not great. What do I mean by that? You cannot be naive to think that you're going to go and purchase a database somewhere. It's going to all be spot on. It's not, right? It's just not. And the one thing that you need to do, regardless of where you get your data from, I don't care where you get it from, okay? You need to put it through an email validation service before you start using it. What does that mean? And I'll rattle off some different companies. And there, I have no, I have no uh, ties to these right. companies, okay? okay? There's a company called uh, Zero Bounce, Okay, there's a company called Webula, W-E-B-B-U-L-A. Uh, there's Validity. Okay, why you want to work with companies like this is you buy a list from somewhere. Don't care where you get it. If you don't put it through one of these services, you can get in big trouble. What I mean by big trouble is right. on any list, there are spam traps. There are bad. There are bad records in there. And if you email to these spam traps, it will seriously impact your ability to ever stay in the inbox. Because when you're sending out your email from a technical perspective, you're going to look like you are 
uh, uh, just buying garbage data. What these companies do is they will validate, they will remove all the bad stuff before you send to it. And that way you won't have any issues with deliverability. Um, and it's, it's very inexpensive. I mean, a, 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 case in point, we just yeah. ran a list of, I think it was 70,000 through mm -hmm. one of those services and came back with a cleansed list of about 30,000. Wow. So there you go. Well, it was old. There was a lot of old stuff yeah. in there. So it was right. like, oh, we're definitely going to, you know, we've got to screen this one out. So 100%. And if, if, I promise you, if you've loaded up that 70 and you would have hit send before you cleaned it, your, your infrastructure would have been a mess. Yeah. Whatever uh, domain was associated with it would have been destroyed. Disaster. Disasterville. And so you really want to do that wherever you get data. And, and you have to think about it, like what you just said is really important. You may not even be acquiring data. Maybe you are maybe you have a legacy database. You're like, I want to use this thing, but we haven't sent to it in forever. Before you do, you need to put it through these services to make sure you're removing all the bad stuff. Uh, might bad be. Stuff. Okay, so let's, let's talk this one through. It's not uncommon for a client of mine to realize that they have some thousands of unconverted leads. Yeah. People who requested a quote for their insurance and did not convert, did not become yeah. a client. Right. And they look in their database, they realize yeah, they, they don't just have a leaky bucket. They got a hole on the bottom of the bucket. And so now they want to reach out to them. Well, some of those conceivably, some of those could be um, spam traps. Yeah, they could be spam traps. Right. And so 100%. they could be old and they could generate complaints. So even in that case, you Always. Okay. And you do it, you do it even with your best database, even with your database that you think is perfect. Uh, we still do it twice a year. Twice a year, regardless. Okay. Regardless, yeah. Ah, Always. Okay, good. Good to know. Okay. Um, so I have a, a, a specific question and I'm curious what your yeah. professional opinion is on this. Uh, there are platforms that can automate the delivery of what we would call in the industry cold email. Right. Right. Um, the the good ones will always either require or provide the services that we've talked about where the list is cleansed. Right. They will um, warm up the email, the domain uh, slowly, and they will uh, generally, the good ones will um, provide uh, with automation some interaction between your inbox and their inbox that requires mm -hmm. no touching with human hands. Um, what's your, what's your sense of that? Look, it is, it, it works. Mm -hmm. It's fine. And I know that it is everywhere. Okay. I, I'm more of a fan of the real, the human, uh, version of that. Uh, but I don't, I, I don't have my head in the sand to say that, uh, that that's not a super viable strategy. I don't think it's going to win you an award for, uh, Hey, you're doing best in class marketing, but it is viable and it works. But if, see, yes, if people are looking for customers and not awards. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah. If you listen, here's the problem with most things, especially in the world of email marketing. Yeah. Most people are holier than thou. What I mean by that is they will tell you, you can never do this. You can never acquire a list. You can never do a cold email. You could never do this. I'm like, great. Well, why don't we all just go out of business? Right. Because it, with all these nevers, ah, right. uh, there's nothing left. So um, I would just say, make sure you're doing everything you can to be as cautious as you can, because you want to protect the mothership. But uh, there's a lot of amazing tools and, and opportunities out there.
Got it. Okay. Um, let's go back to the subject line itself. So sure. a, a good a, a metaphor for a subject line, I think, is in, in direct mail. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we are trained to think that the purpose of the envelope is not just to get it delivered, but to get the letter opened. Absolutely. And so, um, you know, in in I have I haven't been playing in the direct mail game much lately at all. But back in the day, I think I had the large the the most active mail house in the industry serving one client who was Michael Chance, right? And so, our our envelopes, regardless of what size they were, if they were like a nine by twelve, they had enough copy on the outside. Uh, teasers and social proof and you know like, like uh, all this jazz that was like right. it was, that just the envelope itself was a fun copy project for me right right subject lines um really play that same uh that same purpose and um they are like the little salmon swimming upstream because yeah i, I in in the direct mail world i might have been competing against you know maybe 10 or 20 other peeps, pieces of mail in the email world i'm competing against 200 other emails that everybody gets every single day yeah Regardless of how many how, how many unsubscribes and spam filters they set up, they're still getting hundreds of emails. And so that subject line is the magic, it would say. Yes. I mean, certainly without it, they're like no matter how much time and attention and skill and all the tricks that you throw into the email itself, if they don't read it, heck with it. So t- talk to us about you know, uh, just let's start with some of the sort of the basic things to consider, and then maybe we'll get into some of the super fun, you know, like magic words of the day. Yeah. So I would say you're hundred percent right. Everything you just said. Um, the first thing I would say about your subject line is that we need to bust a myth and there's a myth that exists that there are things called spam trigger words. If you go to Google right now and say, what are spam trigger words? What are words I can't put in my subject line that if I do, I'm going to go to the junk folder or the spam folder. And you will invariably get a list of 200 words. Like free. Right, that say, and, avoid yeah. these words. Right. right. You can't say the word free. You can't capitalize on the subject line. You can't use a, 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 an exclamation mark because you're going to go in the junk folder. The myth that I want you to know is not true is that there is such a thing called spam trigger words. You can write whatever you want the subject line. It is, if you put the word free, that is fine. It is not the reason you're going to the junk or spam folder. 10 years ago, it was the reason. It uh-huh. used to be, con- the way email got filtered back in the day was based on content. The words and symbols that you put in your subject line or in your headline, because back then the receiving email networks didn't have any other mechanism to determine who is a bad guy, who is a good guy. So if they saw free, like, oh, that must be a spammer, dump in the junk folder. Okay, if they see the word mortgage, oh, must be a spammer, dump it in the junk folder. Now, technology changed. The reason you say in the junk in the inbox is your overall engagement and sending reputation, all this technical stuff, right? It is not anymore about the content, the words and the symbols that you're putting in the subject line. And the thing that frustrates me for what I do for a living is if you go and Google email best practices, you will see the literal opposite of what I am saying because the overwhelming majority of information that exists out there is legacy and old. Everyone just keeps regurgitating the same nonsense. So I want to liberate you and you should know that you can put whatever you want. 
and that subject line or whatever. And, and by the way, here's another thing to manage your own expectations. Some portion of every marketer's emails, I don't care if you're Apple or the NFL or Amazon or IBM, I don't care who you are, will go to the junk folder, will go to the spam folder. It will. So when you get an email that goes to the junk folder, spam folder, do not sit there and analyze it. Be like, is it because I, I, I used a question mark? Is it because I wrote this word? No. There may be some other stuff going on, but it ain't because of that. Uh, talk to us uh, for a moment yeah. about the other stuff, right? Yeah, so okay. the, the, the presumably like, you know, the Google trust rating, yeah. what is it? What are the things? If it, if it's not the, if it's not the use of evil words like free or right. exclamation right. marks, why do you stay? What are the things that we need to do? Okay. That, That's that a agents great need to do to maintain the safety and the trust of their, email delivery service and the domain associated with it. So there's two things I would think about. Um, it's all about engagement. What I mean by engagement is if somebody is opening and clicking on your email, and here's what that means. If I send, we don't have a relationship. Let's say we don't have a relationship, okay? And I somehow get your email address and I email you for the first time. My email infrastructure is emailing your receiving email infrastructure. And when you get that email, if you don't open it, okay, at all, you just don't open it versus if you did open it and you did click on it, if you did open and did click on it, the next time I send you an email, your infrastructure is going to learn, hey, he likes getting emails from this guy, Jay. Michael likes this guy. Yeah. Keep it in the inbox. It teaches it from a technical perspective that he likes this guy. So the most important thing you could do, the literal most important email that you send to somebody is the first email you send. And the mistake that marketers make is somebody signs up for something, they download something, they visit a trade show booth, they do whatever. And what do we do? We send an email, that first email that you send, you write, thank you, right? You almost send it like it's like a receipt. But what we need to be doing, what you absolutely need to be doing is it's not about selling anything in that first email that you're sending somebody. Your entire goal has to be able to get that email opened and clicked on. Because if you get the first email open and engaged with, your likelihood of staying in the inbox goes up by over 80% uh, because you're teaching the receiving email infrastructure that, hey, I like this thing, right? So when you send that first email, it's got to say, thanks, VIP gift inside. Thanks. You need to see this dot, dot, dot. Uh, great news. Something here for you. And then they open it up. You give it a free piece of content, something in there, anything, but get that first email opened is critical. And then the other piece of that, how do you stay in the inbox? How do you stay beyond that first email is, it's all about ongoing opens and clicks with those individuals, those things. The, the mistake most marketers make is they think that the reason they're not getting performance in email is that they're sending out too much. I'm sending out too much email and that's why I'm not getting what I need. No, your emails are boring, they stink and they're irrelevant. That's why nobody's engaging. But the irony is, in order to stay in the inbox, you need to generate a lot of open and click activity with all the recipients. If you don't send enough email, ironically, if you don't send enough, you can't generate enough opens and clicks to stay in the inbox, okay? So if you have a quarterly newsletter, you might as well quit your job because that's terrible, okay? You uh. need to be going at least monthly or every two weeks or whatever and be sending out it has to be relevant. You can't send out garbage. You can't just send out sales emails. Relevancy equals frequency. Mm -hmm. But you need to be sending out enough email to keep in the inbox. And that's the mistake marketers make. They think, I'm going to send less 
and somehow that's going to win the day. That is ridiculous and wrong. Uh, yeah, you've got some research and analysis that uh, also indicates that um, that there's an optimal number of times to like email you know, like uh, for a campaign or for an offer and to, and, and to do it within a week. So in other words, yeah, I think a lot of people are thinking I'm emailing too much. Um, and, and so I'm not going to, you know, I've already offered it once or twice, but I, I think you know, like in your research and this is goes back away. Yeah. So maybe it changed, but it's like three times, you know, like in one week you got, you got oh, an yeah. offer, let them know about it. Uh, a hundred. First of all, absolutely. You have an offer, you have a newsletter, you have anything. Okay. Here's the thing. You are, once again, we're projecting ourselves onto our emails. Enjoy. You sent it, and then you want to send it again. You're like, oh, they're going to be so sick of me. Nobody cares. Nobody's, nobody's thinking about you. Nobody cares about what oh. you're doing. Okay. okay? And it, yeah. they just don't. All right? And then what do we do? We think we're sending out too much, and then we get unsubscribes. Yeah, okay. That was my question. List. Like, yeah, right? yeah. I, I've had, I've had, you know, clients... Like when they get an unsubscribe and they think they just lost a customer, you know, they, they lost a, so talk to us about unsubscribes. You know, unsubscribe, unsubscribes are such a, unsubscribes are good, not bad. Now you're sitting there like, what is this dude talking about? How are they possibly good? Well, first of all, let's, let's get a baseline. Unsubscribes do not hurt your deliverability. That's important. They don't cause you to go to the junk folder, spam folder. They actually help your deliverability, ironically, because it's engagement and it gets a boat anchor contact off your list. Spam complaints, which are not unsubscribes, they hurt your deliverability. We don't right. want spam complaints, right? Ah. But when you get unsubscribes, take me off your list, remove me, okay? Uh, why does somebody unsubscribe? They unsubscribe for one of a few reasons. Number one, first of all, unsubscribes in November and December are higher than at any other point of the year. Why is that? It's because what we all do is like we, we basically go on a diet. When you go on a diet, what do you do? You go to your refrigerator. And you're like, oh, I got to throw it all out. I'm disgusting. Throw out all the food. Right? You throw it all out and you clean house. In November and December of every year, what do we do? We're like, I want I got to clean my inbox. I'm overwhelmed. This year I'm going to be organized. I'm really going to be on top of my game. And you want to subscribe from 12 things. And it's not because I got one more email from this insurance company. It's because I'm cleaning house. But we take that unsubscribe. Oh my God, I sent out too much email. Now, what's another reason you unsubscribe? Um, let's say I tell you today that you should uh, start your subject line with a number because it stands out. It works really well, right? The seven tips for whatever, which it does, right? And you're like, oh, I listened to this guy, Jan, this podcast. He talked really fast and all this stuff. But I heard him say I should start with a number in my subject line. I'm going to test that. And so you go and you test that. And then what happens is you email your database and guess what? For the first time in a long time, because you tested something in that subject line that stood out, the recipient saw it. It wasn't wallpaper. They didn't just scan by it and they opened up the email. They actually saw your email for the first time in a long time. But you know what? They don't need your product anymore. They don't need your services anymore. They've moved on. Who cares? And they unsubscribe. They're unsubscribing because you did something good. You stood out. Right, you did something new. You weren't wallpaper. They didn't unsubscribe because they were like overwhelmed with you. It is okay. You're not going to be a fit for everybody's stuff in perpetuity. You're just not. That's ridiculous to think that. So this idea that unsubscribes are bad is wrong. What, in my view, I live by a very simple rule: when in doubt, opt them out. Right? They ain't going from like 
should I work with them or should I unsubscribe? And they're not like on the fence. If they're thinking about unsubscribing, they ain't going to be a good prospect. I'm sorry. Smell you later. They're gone. Right, right on. Okay. So speaking of frequency of emailing, I got an email and it may have been from you, Jay. Probably, probably. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> it's okay. Well, it it might have been from you. Um, it was a second delivery of mm-hmm. the first email. And the subject line was something like, oops, you missed this. Oh, yeah, that's definitely me. It, well, <laughs> well, it was the first time I'd ever gotten it from you. Okay. Um, now, presumably, it, um, you know, like your system maybe realized I hadn't opened the first Correct. one, and so you went to the Correct. group that didn't open. Um, yeah, my the platform I use can do that. Uh, yeah, talk to us about that, and talk to us yeah. about like the frequency of how often you would feel comfortable doing that, or why not just do it every time somebody doesn't open the first email. Yeah, so let's break down the different kinds of emails. First of all, I think it's really important that you bucket the kinds of emails you send out, right? You have offer emails, okay, that you send to current clients. You have offer emails sent to prospects. You have newsletters, right, that you send out. So let's say you're sending out your newsletter, which are a big pain in the butt to put together, take a lot of time and energy. And marketers make this ridiculous mistake that they, they send this newsletter out. Let's say it's once every two weeks. They send it out once. They send this thing that takes so long to put together, and they send it out once, right? It's hard to do these newsletters. So what you want to do, it's really simple. You send the newsletter out, say, on a Tuesday. On Thursday, 48 hours later, you take everyone who didn't open it, and you just change the subject line from whatever it was to, oops, you missed it. And then you send the same newsletter again. And I promise you, your open rate overall will go up by about 20% more people will open at least 20% more will open up the email because they did miss it. They're getting your newsletter. They subscribed for a reason. They actually want this stuff. They missed it. They weren't looking. They didn't care what happened. So so would you do it? Did you say three times, like first, second, and a third or? So for a newsletter, we do it twice. Okay. Okay. Now for an offer email, uh, we will go five times over two weeks, five times over two weeks for an offer. So what I mean by that is, let's say you're trying to get people to go to a webinar, okay? And your webinar is two weeks from now. Um, the way that, you know, we really look at it is first touch is you're introducing it. You know, second touch, you're going to say, you don't want to miss this thing. Then the third touch, you're starting to build on that urgency. You know, time's running out. And then the fourth touch is, uh, this is your last chance. And then the last one is, it's literally now, you know, it's like literally five touches over two weeks, continually building that sense of urgency. The number one thing to, to drive performance in email is urgency. That's it. And even if you, let's say you're promoting something that has no expiration, right? That it doesn't end. It's not a webinar that has a date. It's maybe uh, yeah. just a piece of right. content, right? You can still create subtle urgency, you know, things like don't miss out, like, you know, hurry, grab this. Um, Things that in the subconscious tell us, oh, my goodness, I need to react to this. Uh, because if you don't have some version of urgency with your offer, whether it's subtle or real, people don't care. Okay. We just don't care. So in a moment, I want to dive into some of the magic words and the structure of a subject line and or preview line. But first, I, I want to ask you to address the issue of domains. Uh-huh. When... Um, when emailing a, a list aggressively, you know, like a, a new list and a, maybe a big list, 
uh, it, uh, talk to us about the use of alternate domains <clears throat> as opposed to your primary domain? Well, the first rule of thumb for anybody, any business, any whatever is you have your mothership domain, meaning like your website domain. Yeah. Okay. So let's say your website is uh, uh, bestinsurance.com. Okay. You absolutely should never email from your website URL domain. You can't do John from bestinsurance.com. Okay. Uh, you can't use it for anything like that. You want to segregate yourself from yourself because your website URL is critical. And if, and if you're, if you tarnish your website domain because of your email activities, people are going to have a difficult time going to your website. They will get flagged as it having an issue. So the number one rule is to have a version of your sending domain that feels like you, but it's a little different. So if you're bestinsurance.com for your business, you know, it's bestinsurancemail.com. You know, it's offers bestinsurance.com. BestinsuranceVIP.com and so on and so forth. Anything okay. that is not that domain, because you can't, you can't be optimistic in marketing, be like, everything's going to always go fine. I'm never going to, by accident, send to the wrong database. I'm never going to, by accident, get a list from somebody I shouldn't. It will invariably happen. If you're in business long enough, you're going to screw up. And you, you don't get the chance to say, oops, I screwed up. I'm so sorry. You screw it up and then you're screwed. Yeah, the, so the recovery process sure you, is you, long and arduous. Uh, when very, when, very when you get, yeah. Okay. So now, uh, talk to us about the, oh, for want of a better word, the tricks of right, right. subject line creation, like things sure. like right. emojis, brackets, um, punctuations, caps, and magic yeah. words. So it's like yeah, yeah, this sure. whole potpourri of stuff you could throw into a subject line. Yeah. What, uh, what, and, what and is that it that is makes true. them juicy? <laughs> well, uh, the most important thing to realize is nobody reads the whole subject line. So everything we're going to talk about is the first half of the subject line, but really the first few characters. Literally, nobody reads the whole subject line. People ask me all the time, what's the amount of characters I should put in my subject line? Is it under 60, under 50? I could care less because no one's reading the whole thing. It's the first few characters. What happens there is all that matters. So what can you do in those first few characters that literally will be a game changer for your performance? So before I mention numbers, numbers are magic, okay? The, the three pitfalls to avoid, the seven things you need to know, the nine most important whatever. This idea of lists of any kind is the top performing uh, version of content promoted in email, period, end of story. And when your subject line starts with a number, a, an actual numeric number, not a written out number, it will lift your email open rates, the percentage of people opening up your emails by over 20%. It feels authoritative. We know it's quick to digest. It stands out. It works. Okay, you mentioned brackets. Brackets are phenomenal. Start your subject line with one bracket, then a word or a phrase, and then another bracket. Whatever that major thing is you're trying to say. Maybe you're trying to say that something's new. You just put the word new, all capital letters, in a bracket. Maybe you're trying to promote a webinar. You put the word webinar in a bracket. You put uh, uh, today, if the thing's happening today. It stands out. It will lift your performance uh, significantly. And, and you do Half that first. You, you use a bracketed word first. Yes, Always, right. Okay. 
Got it. And that will get again a lot of no one's ever going to look at your subject line and be like, wow, this subject line's amazing. I love this subject line. I'm opening this email. <laughs> we don't do it. But it grabs you that millisecond that you're doing the social scroll in your inbox, you're like, oh, I gotta look at this thing, right? Which is also why a capitalized word or phrase independent of brackets does really, really well. Capitalize that first word or phrase, it will do uh phenomenally well. You mentioned emojis. You know, a lot of people think emojis are stupid and they are. But if I change the name of emoji and I said, we're not calling them emojis anymore. We're going to call them business icons. Business like, icons. <laughs> I want to use a business icon in my subject line. What's that? Right. They just have bad PR. Right. So when you're thinking about using an emoji, first of all, 94% of all receiving email infrastructures can view emojis perfectly in the subject line now. So that's why you see them everywhere. Um, but you don't have to use, you know, a smiley face. Right. That's ridiculous. You can use a calendar emoji. You can use a check mark. You can use an hourglass and it stands out. It works incredibly well, but you need to make sure whenever you use an emoji, and I'm a big fan of using them for business and consumer sense, you want to be the first character, not the last character, the first character. So it actually stands out. You know, people say, well, I'm, I market to very, you know, uh, I'm in a regulated industry. I market to conservative organ audiences. Goldman Sachs is one of the, stuffiest brands on the planet almost every email newsletter they send out it uses emojis in their subject line okay so i'm telling you if you're not testing emojis you are missing out now what you don't want to do though is you can't do anything that i just said every time you want to have an arsenal of like 10 different things and you want to constantly be rotating through them because if you go and use the same thing every time that's how you become you know wallpaper uh, so you have to be careful. But then there's things also at the end of your subject line, ironically, that can that can matter. So what do I mean by that? Turn your subject line into a question. It is magic, magic, right? So if you're promoting anything, whatever the content is, whatever you're promoting, turn it into a question. Uh, do uh, do people really need to know about this? Whatever it is, just turn it into a question. Why do you think Jeopardy is so popular? We can't answer the questions. Nobody knows what the hell the answers are to those questions, right? You get like one out of 10 right. You think you're smart. and But we love the show because we like questions. We like answers. That's who we are as a species. When you turn your subject line into a question, we just need to know the answer. And it lifts open rates again by about 15% just by converting it into a question. So that works really well. And then earlier you mentioned the three dots at the end of the subject lines. Anything you do to create suspense, right, works so well. So when you add three dots, you know, if you ever were texting with somebody, right, and all of a sudden you're like, where do you want to go for dinner? And then all of a sudden you see the three dots show up on your phone and you're like, oh my God, I hope they say the new Italian place. I really want to go there. What are they going to say? And you're waiting that suspense from those three dots are killing you while you're waiting for that text to come through. Those three dots in email are magic. Amazon uses it at the end of almost all their offer emails now. So whatever you're writing, okay, you put the three dots. I got one from Sherwin Williams the other day. I loved it. The 2024 paint color of the year, dot, dot, dot. Like, <laughs> what is? I need, I'm a painter, but I needed to know, right? The most important change to insurance in 2024, dot, dot, dot. dot. dot oh dot. my God, I need to know, right? You add those three dots and it does well. You, so you, um, you, you yeah. had a you had an, another sort of an interesting uh, uh, a twist in a recent newsletter of yours where it was like I said two minute read or something like that. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. You, like you, you you know you told people exactly like what they needed to invest and what they were going to get out of it, right? So you know, give me a minute and a half. 
Yeah, I love that. That's a new trend that we're seeing a lot where in the subject line, also in the in the in the pre-header, people marketers are putting the amount of time that somebody needs to invest in the content that you're promoting, right? Mm-hmm. So it'll literally say, like you just said, uh, let's say it's a, a, a video that you're putting out there, right? Two minute video. And so you're literally telling the person, listen, we know you barely care. Okay. But if you invest two minutes, you're going to get out what you want. And the person looking at like, all right, I can do two minutes. Right. Or even in your newsletter, before they click on the link to go and read the piece of content that's going from your email to their website, it will say three minute read. So they know before they click how much time they need to invest. Right. And, and, And even if you're promoting a webinar or anything, put in that subject line, it's going to be 30 minutes long. Tell the person it's not going to be that bad because that's how they feel like, okay, fine. I could do that. Okay. Um, I I think that, I don't know if most, but certainly a substantial number of insurepreneurs who actually do marketing, do email marketing of some kind, mm-hmm. have the capacity to deliver a preview line through their platform. Yeah. Talk to us about what a preview line is supposed to do and how it may differ from a subject line. Right. So and maybe what it here, is for those who yeah, are. So sometimes we call it a preview line. Some people call it the second subject line. Some people call it a preheader. But when you go on your phone, you're looking at your email, you see the from address, you see your subject line, and then you see that kind of like lighter gray line of text that shows up below the subject line. That is your preheader, right? It is incredibly valuable real estate. And as a marketer, if you're not considering the words in your pre-header, you are failing because it is a major factor as to why an email does or does not get open. Now, here's the mistake that marketers make. Number one, the overall length for a pre-header is somewhere around 85 characters max, just so you know. But the mistake that marketers still make is they put in the pre-header a lot of times... um, if you're having trouble viewing this, click here. And that's like a standard pre-header, this format issue information. If you're having trouble viewing this, you know, whatever. That is nonsense, okay? Because they haven't even opened it yet. How do they even know if they have an issue? They haven't even yeah. opened it. Yeah. So to use that real estate for that is terrible. The other major problem that we see is that when people set up their emails, they think they'd have their pre-header right, and they hit send, and then they open up their email on their desktop, not their phone, and they go, oh, this looks great. Mm -hmm. Here's the problem. Ah. Um, When you are testing your email messages, um, there's something funky that goes on specifically with your pre-header text that can cause it to look like gobbledygook code, okay, when it goes out, but it only looks that way on your phone and on a mobile device. I'm telling you that because over 70% of primary opens, the first time anybody opens up one of your emails is gonna be on their phone. We make the mistake as marketers of looking at our test email messages before they go out on our computer. Yeah, because that's where we create it. Exactly right. But the issue only shows up on our phones. About 30% of all emails that go out have this gobbledygook code, this HTML code that shows up in the pre-header where it's supposed to look fine um, and marketers don't realize it. So what, I, what, what I, we have to always think about is look at your test messages on your phone before you hit send. 
it's critical because that's how most people are going to see it. It's not what you see on your desktop. And what do you okay. do? Yeah, if, if you do what get you the want to do, So what's happening, the reason that's happening is who's ever creating your emails is using what's called a spacer GIF. And it's basically an invisible image to move things around in your messages. So if you're doing the actual HTML work to build your email, and they're using the space at the top of the email incorrectly, which is very common, and that is why you're seeing code show up because it's code that they're using to move stuff around, images around, and it's it's being put too high up in how they're coding the email. So it's literally just a matter of of moving things down a little bit, and then you're good to go. But you just, as long as you know you have the issue, and then once you figure out, okay, now I know how to do pre-headers. What do you want to put in it? What you want to put in it is an extension of your subject line, right? So it's it's you know if your subject line is the seven things insurance insurance whatever needs to know. The pre-header needs to say and uh, download this right now or whatever. It's a it's a build on top of your subject line. You can put emojis um, in your pre-header. You can even put links in your pre-header. Um, pre-headers are gold, and you should absolutely be testing them. You can put links in the pre-header. I'd never thought about that. Yeah, you can put a link in the pre-header now. Again. Well, it, what is the benefit of that? Because the person can't click on the link until they open it. But when they do open it, uh, for in many in many instances, the pre-header can still be visible. It could be the first line of your message, and the first line of your message then has an offer link. So it can be. You could also personalize in your pre-header. So if you never touched that, that's a win, right? So you could put uh, any type of personalization token, a name or whatever, a company, anything in that pre-header. Uh, that's a good one. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask you pretty much one more question, but I'll, I'll remind the audience, if you have questions, this is a, a rare opportunity and Jay's going to run out of time here. Uh, feel free to raise your hand or chat a question in the chat box. I'll also remind you that I've compiled uh, some of Jay's best research and put that into what I call the subject line research center for insurance agents you'll get that by virtue of being here so so look for an email from me with that uh that being said um so we've talked about subject line preview line of course body copy obviously matters and mm -hmm. and i'm not a, we can't we can't do a complete workshop on on copywriting but critical elements of body copy and things that like like, uh, you know, the template or the format, the architecture of it, what's what's of critical importance? Yeah, I'll write off three things that I think are really important to consider. When you are sending email out, you have two audiences, like you talked about before, prospects, customers. Uh, the number of words that you use is not cannot be the same number of words for prospects and customers. Customers sort of care about you. Prospects don't care about you yet. So what you need to do is think about that because you need to really shorten your verbiage when you're marketing prospects. Any email that is over 75 words to a prospect is done. Nobody's reading it. It's garbage. That is the fall off the cliff when you're marketing to prospects. So you really need to keep that word count low. Keep under three, three lines uh, or less in any paragraph that you have so it's digestible. You ever get a text message from a relative or friend, it's that big block of text. You're like, oh, I can't look at this now. I'm going to look at this later, right? Because you have to look at it. But if you get a big block of text, like four or five lines uh, from a prospect email, you're never going to look at it. So that's number one. Number two, think about your call to action button words, okay? So 
when let's say you're promoting, you know, a webinar, you open up the message, we make this mistake. The button that you're trying to get people to click on, what does it say? Right? Does it say register? Oh, register is the worst. It's so boring. That button can say whatever you want, it can be as long as you want. How about this? If you write call to action buttons in the first person, they have on average a 28% higher average click-through rate. What do I mean by that? Instead of register, what if you wrote, yes, I want in, save my spot. What sounds better to you, save my spot or register? And and did, right? did I see this from you? Uh, I saw this really recently that adding an exclamation mark to a call to action button increases Oh, that, I, didn't, I didn't say that, but I believe it. Yeah, I believe okay. it. I believe yeah, it like, because it's, it's creating this excitement, right? So think about the language on your call to action buttons, write them in that first person, get the person engaged. And then the last thing is add a PS. Okay. <laughs> PS at the end of your emails will increase your click-throughs by about 14%. Put your offer in there, put a link in your PS, because here's how we read emails. We read the first half of the subject line, the headline, your seven word headline, whatever that is, we don't read the body copy. And then we might read the call to action link and we'll read the PS. That is what we do. And that PS is so valuable. So if you're not putting your offer in there and restating it, you're missing the boat. Got a couple of questions from listeners. Okay. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh -oh. <laughs> All right. First one um, from Neil How does the first part of the subject line being bracket external sender interfere with the concepts discussed today do you get that yeah yeah sure okay. so what he's that's a good question neil so what neil's asking is sometimes when you send to uh, uh somebody depending on their receiving network it will label the it will automatically label the message in the subject line with uh you know external sender possible spam seven other ridiculous things right um we have seen by still using the same tactic, the bracket tactic, you still get uh, benefit um, by doing that. And my own theory as to why it still works is that our minds are trained. If you have one of those infrastructures that's labeling everything, which it does, right? Then you're already subconsciously tuned in to not even see the labeling that occurs, right? Because so many of your emails are coming in with a label. So you're like, on to the next yeah so it still stands out as compared to everything else it's not ideal it's not great but it's still a tactic that i would definitely and look everything i talk about is about testing if i said 10 ideas saying so test all of them and four of them work you might say that guy jay's an idiot he doesn't know what he's talking about but you know marketing is like baseball if you set test if you get get up to bat 10 times you get three hits for your career every 10 times you're going to go to the hall of fame right 300 batting average that's amazing that's what marketing is most things probably won't work, but some will, and then you roll with those. One more question. Yeah. Uh, and and then, uh, yeah, I know you've got some killer stuff that people should be checking out, consuming. So we'll talk about that in a sec, but let's get Cherie's question. If we send email from a different domain from our main one, uh, do you recommend that we uh, that we point that new domain to our main domain? So if someone copied our domain we emailed from into a browser, it would take them directly to our main domain. Or does that connection hurt our main domain as if we just emailed from it directly? Yeah, I, I would not connect it to your main domain, okay? And I would say, I know the concern there is that, oh, we're going to lose traffic. People are going to think this is our URL, blah, blah, blah. They won't. You're not going to lose that. You're not, I mean, 
we work with the biggest markets on the planet and that's that's really a non-issue yeah so it's a good question i would almost say that um you're you're almost trying to um i don't want to say you're overthinking it because that doesn't come out right but that's kind of the vibe (laughs) but i mean but it's a very very good question it's a well thought out question all right uh, one one last question from Neil. What open rates do your clients typically experience applying these concepts? You know, it's never about, uh, you know, people make the mistake like, okay, uh, I have a 30% open rate, a 40% open rate, a 10% open rate. First of all, open rates are not an actual number. They're a directional number because there's a lot of bots, there's a lot of garbage out there. So what I mean by that is it's almost like a Gallup poll of whatever you're testing. And and what you want to do is you want to benchmark yourself. My newsletter gets, I'm making this up, a 30% open rate on average. My offer emails get an average of 20% open rate. Uh, my transactional emails get a 40% open rate, whatever it is. And then whenever you're sending out your next email, your goal in life is to beat yourself, right? So if you test an emoji in the subject line for your newsletter, you never have before, and you normally get a 30% open rate, but now you test an emoji and you get a 37% open rate, that doesn't mean 37% that people opened it up, but it does mean that you got to jump in open rate because of this new tactic that you've tried. So open rates are all over the map in terms of what the numbers are, but they're not real numbers. They're directional numbers. And that's how I'd always think about them. Ah, uh, okay. Got it. All righty. Uh, you've got three things that I can think of off the top of my head okay. that are, you know, for a serious marketing entrepreneur slash insurerpreneur, they should really seriously consider consuming. Uh, sure. one, yeah, no, you I'll, mentioned, I'll, you I'll, mentioned I'll, one subjectline.com. Everything I'm going to mention is free. So let's start yeah. with that. That's good news. So subjectline.com is hundred percent free. You can go there, you put in a subject line, it gives you a score, how good or bad it is. And then it has an AI component where we'll rewrite your subject line five different ways for things for you can test. So subjectline.com is a lot of fun. It's free. You can go there, check it out. The second thing we got going on is we have a conference, which is 100% free. It's virtual. It is called Guru Conference. It is a two-day virtual email marketing conference, which is actually November 8th and 9th. We have 17,000 people registered. Martha Stewart is speaking. B2B, B2C, every major brand there, I'm speaking. It is virtual. It is free. It's going to be fun. It's guruconference.com. And then the last thing is I have a podcast, which is called Do This, Not That. Uh, We put out episodes twice a week. They're really short. Nothing's ever longer than 12 minutes. Always sharing the latest data that we have. So if you Google, if you go to my personal website, which is my full name, jschwedelson.com, You'll find the link to my podcast, and then you could be tortured by me forever. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to throw in one last, last, final, this is it question. Okay. Um, I'm intrigued by the 10-minute podcast. Okay. And and presumably you're doing that for a reason. And so that this is all, this is a double question. Uh, You'd also indicated that, um, you know, like there's an optimal maybe a length to an, an yeah. email, like for prospects it's 75 words, but for newsletters, yeah. um, you know, people who subscribe, presumably, you know, there's a lot more give on that. Uh, talk to me about like you, you know, what you're thinking behind that. You know, newsletters are a very interesting animal and it really depends on how, how you structure your newsletter, uh, meaning that how often you're sending it out, how you're compiling it, who it's coming from. There's no right or wrong in terms of 
length of a newsletter. So I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't say you got to do this, you got to do that um, at all. Okay. And your podcast is my, so I love my podcast. It's a lot of fun. It's super short. And you know what? People just don't want long. They just don't, you know what I mean? And so we keep it short because that's how people want to consume the information and and they love it. And so uh, I'm having fun doing it. I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but you know, we're doing it. You're having fun. Okay. Yes. Well, I was intrigued when you mentioned that to me in, in our last conversation that how short they were, I thought, you know, I have a, I've got a, I've got, five things that tie together that I, I I really want to deliver a podcast on. And after that conversation, I thought, why not have five short podcasts and they can, you know, consume them as they will. So we'll see. I don't know if I can keep any of them to 10 minutes, but I'm going to do my best. Jay, um, I will see you next week at the Guru conference. And uh, as always appreciate what you do. Uh, I'm, I'm a follower of your scoop. I got to roll. You All right. Go. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. All right. Uh, we'll talk. Take care. Take care. Thank you so much. As always, enjoyed spending time with everybody today. Look forward to talking to everybody soon.